Today's podcast is sponsored by MPB, the online pricing engine that provides the right price for any camera or lens. Get free kit pickup and get paid within days, all without leaving your home. How much could you get? Find out with a free instant quote at www.mpb.com forward slash sell. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums Movies Podcast for Monday the 17th of July 2023. Tonight I'm Cass Harlow and with me uh, Simon Crust. Sadly viewers, no unboxing again this evening. <laughs> and Mark Costello. Uh, and I didn't get the memo about wearing a jacket. Apologies all. <laughs> this week, we take a look at Tom Cruise's latest must-see hit, the epic Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. We wonder whether 2023 blockbuster entertainment could get any better than that and uh, what it's going to look like in 2024 after the recent news. Uh, we cover Wes Anderson's latest, Asteroid City, which is less engaging than the associated exhibition that's still running at um, in London. And we look at Netflix's Bird Box, uh, the spin-off Barcelona, and a number of juicy new 4K releases, including Evil Dead Rise and Arrow's lavish Bruce Lee box sets, which Mark has seen all 17 and a half hours of. We also look at the original Avatar in 4K, dig into some decent TV, including the Korean series Bloodhounds that Simon oh, mentioned on a previous podcast, and I finally got around to reviewing. Oh, I forgot to do my homework, didn't I? <sighs> the upcoming se second season of The Bear, and Asimov's second season of Foundation, which Mark just recently covered, promising to be every bit as good as the first, is what I hear. Yes. Oh dear, that's, that's not a good recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Let's dive into competitions. Go for it, Mark. Uh, okay, so uh, you can win a limited edition Evil Dead Rise 4K Ultra HD bundle. Bundled with what? I should know, but I don't. Uh, Studio Canal's Le Mepri on 4K and Scream 6 on Blu-ray, as well as a whopping nine, count them, nine titles from my July Top 10 Blu-ray roundup, including the top three entries, which we will be talking about in a little bit. Second Sight's limited edition Blu-rays of May and Frontiers and Radiance's Cousin Nostra Blu-ray box set. Uh, so if you fancy any of those, and why shouldn't you, head over to avforums.com forward slash competitions to enter. All competitions are open to eligible AV Forums members resident in the UK. We've got a whole bunch of uh, previous winners as well. Sports and Nathan won It Man, The Awakening on Blu-ray. Uh, supporter George L78 won Inland Empire on Blu-ray. Supporter Sleepy One won The Conquest of Everest on Blu-ray. Supporter Chickadee Simaru won Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on 4K. And star supporter Jackie Chan Wigwam won The Scalextrix Models of Knight Rider and the DeLorean. Star supporter Wreck-It Yat won The Changeling on limited edition 4K. Nice. And star supporter Simon Holden won the Transformers Six Movie Steelbook Collection on 4K. Well done, everyone. We've also got some new patrons. Featherall and Mr. Sabvatan are both new patrons, so thank you very much. Thank you. And, Welcome uh, aboard. Yes, just in time. There's a whole bunch of patron exclusives out there, which people are not happy about. So <laughs> sorry about that. If you're not a patron, just become a patron. It solves the problem. Um, <laughs> let's have some movie reviews and news. 
it's all going to be Mission Impossible. I mean, we could try and clock it in and say it's about something else, but it's all going to be a lot. Sorry about that, Simon. We'll talk about the old Mission Impossible films. I promise not to spoil the cliffhanger ending of Dead Reckoning Part 1. What was it you said in the intro? Is it so good that you can't miss it? What is it you said? I forgot already. <laughs> it is so good that you can't miss it, yes. It's so good that you can't miss it, and yet yeah. here I see has. having missed it. Yes, I know. Yeah. It's terrible. But you, It'll be around. It's only been out a week. Yeah, don't worry, yeah. Sai. I mean, it's it's not even a week, I don't think. It's yeah, it is. It's like Wednesday, isn't it? I, I thought it was Monday. Anyway, open last Anyway, week. it's not been out long enough to worry about. So, yeah, you should really see it. I mean, we can tell you why, but I don't know whether we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about how Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible series I mean, at least for me, it's it's pretty much the highest standard of ongoing franchise that I can think of. There's there's lots of great classic franchises out there. Godzilla. Yeah. Very few of them have made it past like the second, maybe third movie, maintaining a real sense of quality and consistency. And I appreciate not everybody loved John Woo's Mission Impossible 2. I mean, aside from being the biggest box office hit of the year, um, I did. But uh, but Mission Impossible as a saga, I think, has at least since then gone from strength to strength. And, it's fair to say. Yeah, and it's hit a real uh, a sense of perfect companions in... Um, Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie. Um, they've, unlike all the previous Mission Impossibles, which are different directors and different styles, they've done the last three in a row and they're doing the next one together. And they're a great partnership for the series. Um, Dead Reckoning Part One is my favorite of all the part ones we've had this year. I do appreciate that Across the Spider Verse is a tremendous movie. But for me, Dead Reckoning nails what you have to do to do to deliver a satisfying part one without just pressing the pause button mid-scene and, and leaving everybody on tenterhooks for X amount of time, which, as we'll come on to, no doubt, in a bit, could be longer than we expected. Yeah, I mean, let's come on to it now. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's supposed to come out next year. Part two is supposed to come out next year. And the recent actor's strike, I mean, to add on to all the other previous strikes we've had, means that everything's shut down, including this movie. Now, they have shot, I believe, about 40% of it, including all of the major set pieces for the final third, is what I read. Uh, what that means in terms of how much they can work on the material they have to get a finished product for effects heavy action sequences uh i don't know because that will be the lag even if they shoot the rest of the film putting that into post and getting a finished product out of it takes time so if they've shot enough of the heavy stuff to be able to work on that whilst there's a delay great but already an 11 month follow-up for part two was super optimistic um i think anthony hopkins from mission impossible 2 would have been grinning at the idea there's only there's only one way forward from here really isn't it and it it's to go the unscripted route so it's uh, uh 
Dead Reckoning Part 2 is going to be half Mission yeah. Impossible, half Love Island. I'll have enthusiasm type. Make it up as you go along. It's, it's exactly right. <laughs> who, who needs any any of that script stuff? It's I mean, interesting. It's a part one, but it wasn't filmed concurrently with part two, and they've split them. This I think they a I completely think, separate film. Well, it's the third. It's the third third one part one we've had this year, and all of them in at some stage or another were planned to be shot back to back. I mean, people have been talking about shooting films back to back for a while now, but I just don't think it's practical anymore. Well, well, they, the, well. The, the other thing is, of course, it's it's COVID. You know, we're still dealing with COVID. Yes. So, you know, when all the when all the naysayers are out talking about Dial of Destiny dying on its ass because of its massive budget, even this, to some degree, yes. you know, yeah, oh, it was you know, stopped. It's twenty twenty movie. You know what what yeah. what people are failing to realize is you know those budgets were massively inflated because of COVID. You know the safety protocols, the delays, the renting stuff, and then putting it on hold and re-renting. All you know all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's that's one thing which I've not seen an awful lot of in all of the the commentary around at this time. Uh, you know about poor box office for you know the flash and all you know you name it poor box office left right and said oh it's the death of cinema everyone's had enough of franchises you know look there's no no money to be made anywhere it's still covid it, we are still dealing with the impacts of covid and you know i think to some degree that has come into these notions of the parts one the parts two would they have shot back to back if it hadn't been a pandemic who knows? They might not have even been a part one or part two. If it was, who knows? But I think that that's, you know, we we can't overlook the lingering impacts of that, especially given the massive turnaround time on these on these VFX heavy yeah. blockbusters. I mean, it's it's coming in at almost twice the budget of Fallout. Yeah. So there's there's no doubt that it's COVID that has has seriously affected yeah, it. Exactly. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The movie itself is a movie which really is for long-term Mission Impossible fans. If you've been on this voyage, the last, I mean, since pretty much the third movie, they've managed to tie in strands, ongoing characters, character arcs, themes about Ethan's personal life and its wife and situations like that, which thread underneath the usual mission story. And that came to a head in Fallout to some extent, and it comes back again in uh, Dead Reckoning Part One. It's a very nice, you know, fan service production from that respect. And if you've been on this, or if you've decided to catch up on all the Mission Impossible films before, I mean, I found it an immensely fun two hours forty three minutes. I think. Uh, it's possibly the only one of all of the part ones, only one of all of the long films I've seen this year, and they've all been long. Um, it's it's the only one that didn't feel it. I, I actually felt it was propulsive and it was uh, well-designed and it knew when to take a breath without sapping momentum, when to inject a bit of humanity. You know, Luther will say something that makes you just sit up and listen for a second and then it throws you right back into the craziness. Uh, it, it knew how to do that, and it kept the momentum going uh, in a way that few other movies this year have accomplished. Um, it's also got, for me, a delightful wit to it, which wasn't present in Fallout because that was very grave. And I'm sure we'll return to that in part two. But this had more of a, a fun part four, part five 
entry, a bit more like um, Rogue Nation or, you know, the one before it by Brad Bird, uh, Ghost Protocol. Um, the sense of humour to it, even, even with the serious consequences, was nice. And there's a, a delightful Bond-style car scene, which is just played. Why do you keep mentioning Bond? Bond? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I would draw that comparison when they get in this <laughs> tiny little car and bum around it's nothing at all like uh for your eyes only no um yes i, I mean i i thought <laughs> i thought it was a huge amount of fun and i think i should say that Haley atwell was was great in it all all of the new cast were great i'm gonna say that Haley atwell had a bit a bit of concerns about how they were going to inject new characters into it but they give her her own personality and her own role and um, she's on scene-stealing scene form. Um, really enjoyed it. Gets a high recommendation. And it, don't expect it to be Fallout. It's lighter. It's longer. It's it's just a part one, ultimately. However satisfying a part one it is. And it will need a really good part two to land this saga. But if it gets one, it'll be the best two entries of the series. Mm. And Mark's seen it. He's just come out of the cinema, walked straight into the podcast. <laughs> yeah. and not quite. He's gonna tell me how much he hates it. No, 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 not not at all. I, yeah, it, I I agree with you entirely. I mean, the thing for me, which which beggars belief. So I have done. I've done all the films from two in the last week, all the way up to Fallout to sort of get myself ready for this, and and. The immediate thought coming out of it was, how do Cruz and Macquarie do the same thing for the third time running, and yet it feels like it's not the same thing for the third time running? How do they do it? I... Mr. Hunt, should you choose to accept it, go get Thingy A and take it to Thingy B, but there's a double cross, and then Thingy B becomes Thingy C. You know, it's all, all the plots are all exactly the same. It's just a different world-ending threat. And there's huge set pieces that, you know, with, with tenuously linked. That's what the films are. But my God, you know, they've got the magic formula. And I don't know what it is. And if anyone else knew what the magic formula was, Hollywood will be better for it. But to me, I agree with you entirely. It was propulsive. The set pieces were great. They never hit the highs of, say, Fallout. But yeah. it was much more of a build up all the way through like you say two hours 40 odd you just didn't feel it whatsoever uh i agree with you entirely about the new cast i thought they were all huge fun i was a little bit worried about uh the villain uh is, is it morales yeah i was a little bit worried he seemed a little bit bland from the trailers that i'd seen but actually the plot does some interesting things with him to just keep, give him a little bit of an edge and he doesn't quite seem to be as bland as you think he might be. Uh, I just had two slight worries. No, not worries, two slight issues with it, really. The, the, the first was it, was it was very obviously a part one. And so, therefore, of all the MacGuffins that, uh, you know, Mission Impossible have had, this was the most, you know, for 95% of this entire film, 
They're chasing a key. No, and, and by their own admissions, they're like, we have no idea what this key does, but we're just going to chase it. And so therefore it felt the most lightweight. I mean, granted, you know, a rabbit's foot, a knock list, you know, blimey, you know, not a lot was done with these in the other films, but they felt more weighty. Here, I think because obviously we've still got part two to understand how it all fits with this broad AI type thing. It, it it felt lighter weight and it, it felt much more like Ghost Protocol than Rogue Nation or Fallout, but it didn't have the 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 sort of the the links back, you know, that the to, to bring it into the franchise uh that it had. So it, it it felt a step back for that. And the other issue, I can't go into it because it was the spoilers, but I, I think there were there, there was uh one of our characters main character's fate, shall we say, felt very unearned. Uh, and that'll have to stay spoilerific uh, until everyone has seen it and we can talk about it. But I, I agree with you, Kaz. I thought it was great fun how they can make what is, in essence, you know, an action film that's all action with plot, which even... I mean, now that it's so meta, they're even admitting, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know why we're chasing that. We don't know who wants it. That's we what I mean. They, yeah, they, I, I did like the humour to that. You know, we're going to do... I mean, every time they, they talk about, like, what Ethan's plan is, and it's kind of, yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll get just to that it. when we're, yeah, we'll just you do know, it. halfway through the air, about to land on something. Yeah. You know? uh, but, but, but they still, but Macquarie... Cruise, you know how they how they suck you in and basically give you everything that cinema is, yeah. even without all that stuff. We're all we're programmed. You know, well, well it, it has to have a deeply complex narrative. It has to have, you know, hugely, uh, you know, multifaceted characters. You know, there's none of that in this, but it doesn't matter because they've got they've crafted that action template to within an inch of its life and yeah an absolute belting time in the cinema can't wait for part two in 2057 are you going to go and see it simon now we've sold it to you oh absolutely i want to go (laughs) 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 oh simon i mean it is it is i i feel for it a little bit because we got obviously barbie and oppenheimer coming up and there's going to be a lot of competition yeah, but you Strange. say that, you say that. So in all honesty, I was shocked today. So I, I I went to the first showing today at 10 past 12. I have never seen that cinema that busy, even on opening <laughs> night on a Friday night for some of the most recent ones that we've had. It was heaving at 12 o'clock today with an audience that, you know, let's just say slightly older, not the kind of audience you would expect for Hardcore Action Fest. So I think this this is going to have legs, I think. And it's yeah. all because Cruz is out there, his face is everywhere, he's basically being nice to anyone who looks at him <laughs> on actually, any camera, yeah. any phone, <laughs> wherever you look, it's look how great Tom Cruise is, look at his it work is. ethic, isn't it? And do you know what? People might mock it, <laughs> but, but do you know what? It is working it yeah. is working that blanket saturation working as hard to sell his film and you can tell he wants to sell it and you, you know, can tell he likes cinema works. he really that wants works. Yeah. it really does work and i think we're going to see whatever that this week's initial box office is and i've seen some initial figures that says it's just about 
washed its face, I think, or is a little bit under its initial budget in its yes. opening week. I tell you what, I would not be surprised if the drop-off in week two was was way less than almost every other film we've seen this year. I think this has got legs. Halftow I... must help as well. Yes. I hope well, summer holidays coming yeah. up. Yeah. 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 I hope I hope that um well I hope it does it. Mm. <laughs> Not least because I want to see what happens. Yeah. We better add. <laughs> we better add. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have the, the Bruce Lee final cut of the last hour of Dead <laughs> Reckoning Part Two stitched together with a dubbed soundtrack. Yeah. Wood watch. <laughs> Oh, well, really briefly, I did also get to see Wes Anderson's latest uh, Asteroid City. Very different change in tempo from Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Um, big fan of Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. I um, have all the time in the world for, for particularly his earlier stuff. Rushmore, uh, Steve Zissou, um, the uh, fantastic Mr. Fox, Royal Tenenbaums. I mean... They're, they're tremendous movies. Yeah. If don't, you forget like, Moonrise, don't forget Moonrise Kingdom. Everyone I, always forgets Moonrise Kingdom. I came it's late amazing. to Moonrise Kingdom. It's like one of the only decent like Bruce Willis movies in, in that entire decade. And uh, yes, it is a really good movie. But I'll I came in very for, late. I'll fight you for surrogates, though. That's for a different podcast. <laughs> anyway, back to Wes Anderson. He, I, I like him. And if you like Wes Anderson, it's almost certain you'll see a Wes Anderson movie because no one makes Wes Anderson movies but him. And um, he keeps making very, the same one. Yeah, they're very distinctive, but... Um, it's not from each other. French Dispatch. Love. was an, an, a slightly odd triptych of tales that I felt went a little bit off the rails. Started um, strong. Yes, it did. And it got a bit wayward. Uh, it was still watchable, Wes Anderson, but... You could tell there was some some cracks there because he rides that fine line between sort of I don't know esoteric, imaginative hipster and uh, a unique quirky blend of je ne sais quoi and outright pretentiousness and uh, self indulgence. And he he loves riding that line, and all his all his long term fans love him being right there. But Asteroid City, all star cast, lots of trademark Wes Andersonness to it. Feels like um like a Wes Anderson montage, which to be fair, a lot of his films feel like, but they also at the same time manage to feel connected as well. This doesn't. This is um this is the first time it goes right up its own ass. And, uh, and it's a shame because it's got some great moments and it's got some some great performance in this. Scarlett Johansson's right there, front and center, and she's she's really good in it. Uh, and it's got all of his familiar faces in there, as well as odd new additions like Tom Hanks is in there for no reason whatsoever and has no real part to play, but he's in a lot of scenes. Um, but uh, but it didn't feel like it hung together at all. Oh, that's uh, a shame. It, it's, yeah, and it didn't have. It didn't have that Wes Anderson wit that particularly his earlier works have had. It had, dare I say, a little bit of cynicism to it. Yeah, I know. Is it just a bit of a shame? I I mean, I just, uh, sure, he's got a bit of melancholy going in there, but a little bit of cynicism. Anyway, maybe it's just a blip. But but what was interesting was that, that 180 Studios in London is running an Asteroid City exhibition. 
And I managed to see the movie just before going along to the exhibition. Exhibition's great. It's what you'd uh, want every interactive kind of movie exhibition to be like. I mean, the an Anderson film really lends itself to that kind of medium because you can walk around a gallery of bits and pieces and pictures and film memorabilia from the set and you go, oh, yeah, that's very Wes Anderson. And it was like three floors of that um, landing in a cafe, which is like the cafe diner from the movie where you can order you know, a slice of apple pie with cream or you can order some hot dogs or some american chili and nice milkshakes it's really it's really nicely put together show and so i would say that is classically anderson if you can get along to see the uh exhibition i'd recommend that ignore the film yeah maybe nice maybe even if you're an anderson film wait for uh digital i think it's actually on digital in like uh another mm, seven days time maybe maybe pretty soon yes aren't they all these days yes bird box barcelona on netflix don't have to wait for digital there it's already there yeah don't have to wait for much if you've seen the first one you already know how this one ends uh so yeah bird box barcelona it is a strange spin-off it takes place because you know the first bird box was fractured over two timelines (gasps) when when the initial uh invasion of these strange beings happened and then five years later uh so this one takes place slap bang in the middle of that and it's yes the the clues in the title folks it's actually happening in uh in spain we join a father and daughter some nine months after the initial invasion uh, they're roaming the streets of Barcelona for just trying to survive. But very, very quickly, it becomes apparent there are ulterior motives for them looking for survivors. I won't say any more. Uh, it is, the, the, for me, where, bird, where the first Bird Box worked and what set it uh, apart from its very obvious influence at the time that you couldn't get out of your head no matter how many times you tried, you know, A Quiet Place, was the unique nature of the impact of these beasties shall we say uh you know the notion of one glimpse of these things instantly drives you to suicide is just inherently creepy because there are lots of people who suddenly decide to commit suicide in some of the most horrendous ways imaginable and there's just something there's something really it gets under your skin the notion and it's the same here it's a it's a great central premise it leads to some really Tense set pieces. There, uh, they've upped the death quotient, shall we say? Uh, but two very, very big buts here. Uh, this is the first of many, many apparent sequels that are going to take place at various points throughout this invasion, and it knows it. And so you end. This film, you are now two films into this franchise and you know as much about these creatures as you did 30 seconds into the first film. It almost goes out of its way to not tell you anything at all about them. Sorry, apart from setting up a sequel that hints that you might find out something in that film. Uh, (laughs) It's... It, 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 it's it's everything you've seen in the first film. It's everything you've seen in plenty of dystopian uh, 
you know, nightmare future dystopian films, the good to pretty poor VFX work is showing you ruined cities you've seen countless times before across video games and hundreds of other TV shows. The iconography is familiar. There is almost a sense of that familiarity breeding contempt by the time you get through this. It doesn't do enough to separate it either from the first film or from, you know, countless other zombie plague pandemic, you name it, other films out there. It, it's it's a good watch. It, it, there is some interesting stuff in here, which I don't want to go into in terms of the plot, but it does more with the this idea of the seers that were introduced very briefly in the first one. These are a few that don't commit suicide when they see these creatures. Uh, they They go a little bit mad, and that is explored a little bit more in this film alongside some very very heavy-handed digs at organised religion and various other bits of society and you name it. But it's got a very nice European feel. Uh, it's in Barcelona, but there's the, there's a mixed motley crew of people, so you get Spanish being taught with, with, with German, with English. It, it's got a very different feel from the first Bird Box, even if narratively it's pretty much still exactly the same film. So if you really like the first film, you'll probably quite enjoy this one, but it's ultimately way less satisfying because it knows it's a stepping stone to more films. It doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't do anything massively different. It feels like it's a treading water entry into a much bigger franchise, but you know, hey-ho, if you're up for hey. it, you might enjoy it. Hey-ho indeed, yeah. I'm not sure that's going to the top of my list. Probably not. <laughs> Very nice. Well. Next up, we're going to talk 4K discs. If you enjoy the podcast on YouTube, then please like and subscribe. If you're listening to the audio version, then please leave us a rating on your podcast app. We invite you to email questions and feedback to podcast at avforums.com and join in with this episode's discussion thread in the podcasts forum at avforums. Right. Well, 4K, we have a whole host of things to go through. All the Ks. All the Ks, yes. All, all four of them. Uh, let's jump around a little bit. And because Sai did cover Avatar, Way of Water. I did. Um, and because for some reason I can't quite fathom, they released the first Avatar after they released Way of Water on 4K. They did. Size, uh, size review that now. I did, and or the second said, time, but yeah, at least the second <laughs> at time, at least the second time, yes, not in 3D though. It wasn't in 3D, no, the this set does not include a 3D disc, neither does it include any of the extended editions, neither does it include Dolby Vision. Well, this is so, not, no, no, sell so me, sell me on So the set side. isn't great. I mean, I really wanted to pick up Avatar, I, I really. I mean, I've had previous versions of it. I've had the 3D version. I've had the extended cut. I really want to watch it in 4K, and I really want to do it justice. 
I'm, I mean, tell me I'm doing it justice. Tell me this isn't just a placeholder until they do a, some big lavish set with art cards. I, I, My feeling is that this is a placeholder, but it will be for the next five or ten years because they're going to release film three, film four, film five, and then the whole lot will come out in a set as big as your house. And that's when you're going to get all the extended stuff and it's going to be 500 quid. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the 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 film itself i mean it's, it's exactly it's it's the, as it was you know 20 when was it 29 2009 whenever it came out 2009 um yeah still exactly the uh you know the, it hasn't changed in my estimation in that the story is still a rehash of uh you name it uh pogandas or go or uh dances and walls or, yeah you know all, all, all that stuff which one <laughs> bengali Burn Gully, yeah, yeah, you know they're all, all much the same. Um, you know the story is is very very uh, basic in that regard. Um, but where it wins out, of course, is with with the spectacle that you got. I mean, you can understand why it did so well at the cinema because it's it's um, cinematography, it's three D um, place in in uh, cinematic history is unparalleled. It was and still is a spe spectacular film to view. Um, the 4K version of it uh, is as good. See, when I mean, you're talking percentages less than uh, the uh, second film, which was released first. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. On disc, at least. Um, it's everything in the CG world. So everything on Pandora looks fantastic. And it really does. It looks uh, it looks as good. The, I mean, the the rendering isn't quite as good, but then because it never, you know, it's that much older, but it's spatially, you can still see the 3D elements that were that it was filmed in, and it looks great. The colours are brilliant. The blacks fantastic. The neons, all that blue, all that purple, all those. That is just it looks superb. Um, ships flying at day, the beasties that are flying around, all the colour, all that stuff looks brilliant, and I can't fault it on that in any way, even though it doesn't have Dolby Vision. When you go to the, the human side, when they're when you're in the um in the uh the cabins where, where the avatars are or in the control rooms or in the, the marine holding or when they're doing their talking, all that human stuff, that looks slightly digitized. It looks like um I don't want to say I mean it almost looks like uh, you know how old uh, video cameras years ago when they first came out they had that kind of bit too contrasty bit too edgy yeah. it hasn't been tweaked in any way but that's just what they look like yeah it's got that kind of feel to it um so it looks out of place compared to the rest of the the film yeah um so that that was quite noticeable and i found myself when not wanting to go back to that aspect because it didn't look as good. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as a whole, the film looks great, but those elements, you kind of look at it and go, why didn't they just turn the contrast down a little notch? Just a... <laughs> and that would have smoothed it all out, you know? Yeah. Strange. Sound, of course, another spectacular soundtrack. Absolutely out of this world. Up, down, left, right, thumping you in the chest with a bass. Can't fault that. Brilliant. Nice. Um, 
So in the set, you've got the 4K disc, which is the theatrical version. Uh, I think there's an extra line at the back to tie it in with the second yeah. film. It's yeah. not over or something like that. Um, but essentially, it's the same film that was released in 2009, which is fine. Um, I haven't got a problem with that. Um, I've probably seen the extended versions, and I don't think they add very much to it. Unlike you know good. something something mm -hmm. like the um, Terminator 2 or, or uh, Aliens, where yeah. their extended editions, they really improved the films, whereas the extended editions of uh, Avatar didn't really. You know, it was nice to have, but it didn't really make much difference. So that in itself doesn't concern me. Uh, you've got a Blu-ray, which is the same as the 4K disc, nothing on it but the film and the, and the soundtrack. And then you've got an extra disc with all the extras. But it's all legacy stuff. It's all been seen before. Great as they are, there's nothing new on it. Um, so taken as a whole, the set itself is okay. Um, it's not one of the ones I would have rushed out and got because you can, you know? Yeah. Screams a sale purchase to me, that one. I mean, yeah. it feels feels like a long time to wait for a release of a, you know, a movie that's been in inverted commas celebrated this much and is yeah. getting so many sequels. It seems an odd decision. You would have thought you'd have hit the ground running with that. This was the mm -hmm. first, this was the best. Come and you know, get this yeah. one, and then everything after it is gonna fall into place. Yeah, but maybe, maybe you say Mr. Cameron was so busy. <laughs> on his super duper 4k versions of the abyss and true lies that he simply didn't have time went oh you missed chat gpt stick your upscaling thingy on that old bag of spanners from you know a few years ago i'm busy over here you never know you never know i mean i feel like what you meant to say rather than abyss and true lies is Av avatar three four five six yeah no. because that's what he's doing is he's got yeah. no interest in giving us <laughs> the abyss. Given just what we want to, uh... yeah. and remember, they're supposed to be coming this year. We've only got five months left of the bloody year. Come on! No, they're not, they're not coming this year. No, sorry. <laughs> but what is coming and what has come is a really lovely Bruce Lee set. Mm. I mean, oh God, it, does it look amazing? Yeah, it it's, mm -hmm. it's weighty. You know what does have Dolby Vision? All the Bruce Lee, all <laughs> the Bruce Lee has Dolby Vision coming out of his every orifice. Yes, right. Bruce Lee at Golden Harvest, Arrow's, frankly, stupendous 4K release today. Uh, where, where do we even begin with this? I could easily take up the next half hour just talking about this. You got two minutes. Uh, the, what, what, what's interesting about this is it is not just a set of films with some extras on it No, what this is this is the exploration of an entire uh, legacy of a cinematic icon if you take the films uh, on their own you know everyone who's seen these Bruce Lee films and we're talking about the four that he made you know Let's just say three of them. You could very easily fast forward to the third act uh, when he's when he decides he's going to start his fighting. Uh, you know, there's a hokey charm about them. There's obviously, you know, the infamous Chuck Norris fight at the end of Way of the Dragon. Everyone's seen Enter the Dragon. But when you watch these films in the context of this set, they take on 
an entire different point of view and mindset. I mean, and it's not just in terms of the options of the film. So as, as I put in the review, we're not going to talk about Enter the Dragon now because it's the same Warner Brothers disc, 1080p SDR from the 40th anniversary set. We're all going to go and buy the new 4K disc in August when it comes out and stick it in here because there is a placeholder. That's great. <laughs> but we're only going to talk about the other films here. But across those five, one, two, three, four, across those five other films, you've got 18 different versions of these five films. And the care that's gone into it is apparent straight from you off because the majority of these are seamless branching from the some of the gorgeous 4K restorations they've done. So the majority of them are all in lovely 4K, Dolby Vision, uh, HDR10, you name it. Uh, and when you start to then look at the films and the different versions, you get to understand a little bit more about the market, the Hong Kong market during this time in the early 70s and how itself was growing and evolving and branching out. And then you start to dig into the extras in this set and it's like a world is just opened up into Bruce Lee, the man. You start to see the struggles he had with the first two films, The Big Boss and Fist of Fury, where he was constantly butting heads with his director, Lo Wei, about trying to do more with the story other than these very, very traditional revenge-type scenarios. You see in The Way of Dragon, the first film he got full creative control over. Technically, it's it's scruffier than the other two films. You know, this huge, the, the, the shots, there's just out of focus you know it, it, it there's some really odd human that just doesn't work but then again you get the chuck norris fight at the end and you can start to see lee evolve as not just someone who made films but someone who created them and then of course you know we skip over uh Ent dragon and we hit game of death now obviously everyone who's seen what was released as game of death will know the story here he he originally was going to make Game of Death after Way of Dragon. He'd shot about two hours worth of footage, then got the call to go make Enter the Dragon, which he did. He put everything on, on pause on Game of Death. And of course, sadly, he died and was never able to return to it. So what was released in 1978 was this just horrible completely different story from anything Lee was trying to do with it that just tacked on his footage at the end. Uh but what Arrow have done here, and it is the highlight of the entire set, is a 340, is it, no, it's three hours and 43, so it's, is it 243? I can't, I don't know. Three <laughs> hours, 43 minutes, it, it's a document called uh, The Final Game of Death. And what it does, it takes all two hours of that day, of those dailies. For the first time uh, in in HD, I think they've only ever been shown in, in, in SD before, but it builds around it analysis of what script notes there were, of what Lee was trying to do with the fight choreography, of you know how they got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar involved, you know, what what it was going to be and how it differed from what it ended. And frankly, that in itself, if they'd just stuck the the, the films and that in this set, it would be worth any amount of money but then you factor in even more stuff you've got hours and hours of the legacy stuff that you've got those uh 
very famous documentaries that were made uh, just after he died and a little bit after. Is it The Man, The Legend and, and The Legend? They're on there. Uh, you've got Game of Death 2, <laughs> which, blimey, uh, used even less original footage of Bruce Lee. And, and, and ironically, none of the fight footage. This is literally a shot of Bruce looking like this, then cut into someone from shot from behind having a completely random conversation uh you've got all that but then you've got these other brand new supplementals dotted around you know on uh on fist of fury i think it is no it's not it's, it's on the big boss there's a half hour documentary on the dubbing the people who dubbed bruce lee <laughs> you know into all these different languages and how how it was the same actor who would dub him across you know or, or, and, and it, it's a fascinating insight into that world of how they would they would basically make the same film multiple times for multiple markets you've got uh for fans of a asian cinema uh the academic tony rains is absolutely brilliant he's all over the eureka discs uh, and he and he literally talks us through lee's life in in, in an 80 minute extra which is absolutely fascinating going into everything from Lee as a child, you know, when he was, he was first put on screen when he was five or six by his parents, you know, and, and then of course on way of the dragon, you've got an hour looking specifically at how Lee shot the way of the dragon, what he was trying to do, how he failed. You know, he got a, he got a very well-known Japanese DOP in, uh, and he wanted a load of handheld stuff, but unfortunately, the, 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 this this DOP was so old he could hardly carry the camera. So you can see these these uh, handheld shots, and he can hardly keep the camera. You know, and he, he, but but you get a sense of what he was trying to do with it. And and then of course you've got all the game of death, stuff, the game of death, and, and everything. I, I, do you know what? I could talk for I could talk for hours about this set. Uh, hopefully, what came across in the review is that. This is a set that you don't see very often these days. You know, we've seen some very good sets. You know, the, la the last few years, we've especially from the likes of, say, Second Sight, you know, with their Dawn of the Dead set, everyone thought that was the pinnacle of physical media, right? Well, let's just say that there's a new, there's a new contender <laughs> to that title. Uh, and I would be amazed if we see a physical media set as in-depth, as interesting, as extensive, as so beautifully put together as this. And 120 quid, do you know what? It's a lot of money. But that then gets you the Superman steel book box set for the same price. And you try and compare that to this Bruce Lee set. And it's it's almost laughable, that comparison. There's so much in here. And I'm really pleased to see so many people picking the set up because Arrow deserve all the plaudits for this set. It's Absolutely. that good. So everyone, if you haven't got it already, go buy it. And I'd love, I'd love to show it you, but I only got the check discs, which I have to admit, and here you go, everyone who is getting any twinge of buyer's remorse on this, right? Ooh, it's 120 quid. Ooh, it's a lot of money for some discs. I had the discs, just the discs. I had the discs. The minute I finished watching disc 10, I went straight upstairs and I ordered the bloody set. So in essence, I've paid full price for just the cardboard. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, it sat at my post office, so I can't even show it or anything like that. There's plenty of pictures around in the forums, but boy, oh boy, this is a physical release for the ages. It's that good. Nice. God damn it, I will not buy this. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me the disc just to trap me, haven't you? 
yes sent me the discs to 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 make me go through this do i need the cardboard yes do i need a beautiful box to house them in where am i going to put these discs that gives them the respect they deserve oh arrow you do something that might just suit it you know um (laughs) yeah okay yeah it sounds fabulous, Mark. It sounds it is. Really good. It I, really I, is. I've got Mark's discs now, and I have enjoyed the 50 minutes final cuts of uh, Game of Death. And, uh, you know, I really like Lee, and I really like everything he, he did. It's always got a, um, a warm place in my heart because I remember some really, really cheap versions of these movies with really bad dubbing mm. being put on when I was a kid. You I, know. I, I mean, I'll I tell you what, I haven't even talked about the restorations on these. I'll just very quickly talk about it. I'd only ever seen Enter the Dragon. I'd seen various bits and bobs of the others from crappy TV edits and stuff like that. And I tell you what, from the minute the, the those brilliant cartoony cardboard cutout titles of the big boss finishes, the image of, of just that that sort of long shot of Lee coming off the boat, it, you, you just look at it and go, hang on, this 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 can't this can't be those cheap ass Hong Kong films. It looks astounding. The big boss and Fist of Fury, the restorations, they're the only two that have gone back to the original camera negatives. The restoration work on those are utterly gobsmacking honestly you yeah they they look so good it is untrue way of the dragon there were some issues with the shooting style and it and it it looks a little bit rougher uh certainly a little bit softer uh game of death is somewhere in between actually some of that footage looks really nice but some of those dreadful opticals of lee shall we say didn't didn't look brilliant uh and of course game of death 2 is just a 1080p sdr version but honestly the restoration work on those first three films yeah it's amazing Amazing. Everyone go out and buy it. Everyone buy it. <laughs> go buy it. And you're going to make me go out and buy Evil Dead Rise just for the Atmos track, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> Basically. Yes. Basically. Do, do you know what? If, if you go back to my cinema review, I think I finished it by saying, you know, and if, you know, if they keep this theatrical sound mix for the home, it's going to be a demo disc for the ages. And guess what? They did. And guess what? It is. It is is one of the most aggressive sounding surround mixes I have heard. And I I like my surround sound. You know, I'm all for the gimmick. None None of this, you know, subtle sense of immersion. I want my ears pummeled from all directions all the time, right? And the track on this is utterly astounding. You know, yeah, all right. It's great having all the surround sound and the overheads are incredibly active, but the rest of the track is, it's meaty, it's quick, it's agile, it's loud when it needs to be, it's whisper quiet when it doesn't. It can do subtle little whispers that sort of float over the soundstage that, uh, you know, at the same time as huge throaty guttural roars fly over your head. You know, it is literally the best soundtrack I have heard in my house in a very long time. So everyone just go buy it for the soundtrack. Uh, Yeah. Very nice. Oh, the, the, the film's pretty good too. <laughs> uh, I mean, interestingly enough, the, the film seems to be a bit divisive among Evil Dead fans. It's it's not quite as 
brutal as Fede Alvarez's 2013 one, which I loved. Uh, but it's not far off. The introduction of the family dynamic gives a nice new twist on it. There's some really gnarly stuff in there. Uh, you know, and what makes it worse is some of the stuff you hear, you know, you know, the Deadites are famous for the some of the really twisted lines they throw out, you know, the nastiness, that the verbal nastiness that they they aim at people. And of course, what makes it even worse here is it's a mother saying it to her kids. So, you know, there's a nice little dynamic about that. Does it stick the landing? Yeah, it goes a little bit too far, shall we say, from the usual Evil Dead stuff. And the wraparound stuff. It's got a great start, which taken on its own is very reminiscent of both Alvarez's and Raimi's stuff. But it's got no place in the film. It's, you know, it just it just feels like it was, hey, remember, remember that evil dead? Right. You're now in you're now in the headspace. Right, we'll give you a slightly different one over here. And it just it, there's some clumsiness in the narrative, but all in all, it was a bloody good time. Uh, and with that Atmos track, yeah, wowzers. Are you, are you going to be picking this up, Simon? Um, I hear you're an I, Evil Dead fan. I, I do quite like the Evil Dead, yeah. Um, I, yes, in, in that sense, yeah. Um, I, I had it hadn't really didn't really pique my interest that much because you know blah, remakes. Um, but just hearing the enthusiasm from Mark has, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I haven't been drinking. No, no. So you know. Very nice. Um, you need to tell us in 60 seconds why people need to still buy 1080p discs from your top 10 list. Boom. Uh, oh, yes. So my 1080p disc, for those of you that, that, that don't know, every month I, I round up some of the re uh, releases uh, on good old 1080p SDR. Uh, and this month, this is the first time we're going to just start talking about it on the potty. Very quickly, of the 10 that, 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 that I've reviewed, the top three are all worth note. Two of those are Second Sight. Now, we know Second Sight can work their magic on cult horror in the 4K realm. These two are firmly in the 1080p realm. Why? Well, it becomes obvious when you see them. So the, they are Frontiers. Uh, uh, they are That's a 2007 new French extremity treatise on... You know, their version on hillbilly horror mixed with France's obsession with national guilt and some of the most horrific bloodletting you've seen <laughs> well, since, since since the last new French extremity film you watched. It's a great film. Uh, it looks dog rough, unfortunately. There's been no remastering done on it. It looks like a grotty old dvd master there's edge enhancement there's halo in it doesn't look very nice whatsoever but there's a load of extras on it so you know it's a decent set i wouldn't spring for the fancy extra you know cardboard box edition on this one the transfer doesn't warrant it uh, the second one is may uh lucky mckee's very very interesting take on frankenstein this time with a very very lonely isolated uh, young girl and trying to make her way through modern life. I won't say any more about it because it it, it it would. I don't want to spoil anyone uh, getting the joys of it. But it's a brilliant film. Uh, it goes a bit bloody in its uh, last act, but by that point you're fully invested in the character of May and those circling her. Uh, Angela Bettis is amazing in it. Anna Faris. This was sort of Anna Faris's calling card role. 
I think just after Scary Movie, this is the one that that people thought, hang on, she, she can do a little bit more than just the, that Scary Movie rubbish. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful film. Loads of great new extras. Uh, the transfer, again, it's not had any work done on it, but it looks a lot better than Frontiers. Uh, but of course, that those were two and three in my list. Number one is a fantastic box set from Radiance Films. It's Franco Nero in a trio of Cosa Nostra films, uh, which aren't really Cosa Nostra films. To you know, it, it's a strange one, but it shows the variety that Italian crime films. Uh, in the late 60s to the mid 70s we're doing uh I, I won't go into i haven't got time to go into detail now but if you read up all three films with box sets there's a there's often a, a variable quality shall we say but all three of these films were absolutely brilliant and very very different looking at not over mafia type thrillers but that mafia sense of corruption and and and, and, and the insidious effects that corruption can have on a small island uh in in a prison and in the film industry those are the three films absolutely excellent sets uh we reviewed this a while ago we picked up a couple of slight faults and hence radiance a delayed release of it they've now fixed all those and it's now out uh this month so if you can i'd urge you to pick them up they're absolutely wonderful films and a great set beautiful transfers load of interesting extras and it's franco nero baby he is the man so all good <laughs> And there's competitions for all three. Go win. Go, Go win enter. the competitions. Yes. Go win. <laughs> uh, are you gonna? Do you want? Do you want Mark to? Um, do you want Simon to read out your 4K news, Mark? Or do you want to take us through this? No, we better do it because I haven't got anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'll. I'll do it. Be? Take it. Take a breath. Take a I'll, breath. I'll do. It. Okay. So, uh, what's new to 4K? Uh, so swooshing onto disc at the end of August is The Flash. It's on digital today here, but it's coming to disc. So expect rubbery visuals, brain melting atmos. And, and I can't wait for the extras on this, trying to see people try and skirt around the Ezra Miller thing while just smiling painfully and telling you how great the film is. <laughs> can't wait for that. Uh, Paramount are taking us on a Roman holiday on the 15th of August with a lovely new 70th anniversary 4K edition. But frankly, if... That doesn't float your boat because Audrey Hepburn doesn't turn into a huge robot animal. Then Paramount have also got you covered with Transformers Rise of the Beasts. That's coming to the US on October the 10th. And sorry, Sai, you're getting that because I've had to sit through that <sighs> once this year and I ain't doing it again. So, Kaz, I'll, I'll do it. All right, okay. you can do it. As I long, just, as long I as just, it's not me. I just finished it with the kids and it was it was fun. Oh. Well, it was, then. That, it was that, fine. That's yeah. fine then. Uh, what else have we got? Oh yeah, Disney have announced the remake for The Little Mermaid is coming on September the 12th, while Universal have added a couple of catalogue titles. Um, Kate Blanchett's Elizabeth is getting a 25th anniversary edition on the 22nd of August, which makes sense. While Kerry Mulligan's Promising Young Woman is probably not a 4K that anyone wanted, but that's coming on the same day too. Uh, and what's coming at the end of this month, a lot sooner from Sh Scream, uh, Shout Scream Factory is World War Z. Uh, that's coming at the end of this month. But unfortunately, with a worrying trend, shall we say, we're only getting the theatrical cut in 4K. The extended cut on that, like so many other things that we've got floating around, Waterworld, you name it. Avatar. Uh, all the, Avatar. <laughs> all the rest of the cuts are in 1080p so tush and piffle on that one but enough of this overseas rot i hear you cry 
what are we jolly old Britishers getting? Well, actually not a lot. Uh, Arrow haven't announced anything since their September uh, list last month. Uh, 88 films are obviously too busy working on replacements for their 4K discs that they cocked up previously. And Eureka and Second Sight apparently are having a summer holiday. Uh, so actually, uh, there's not enough. Uh, there's been no major uh, UK announcements, but all of those uh, American discs, bar the Screen Factory World War Z, expect similar UK dates uh, nearer the time. And Kaz has put something in the running order, which I don't understand. So, Kaz, you might have to explain that to me. Oh, uh, Studio Canal announced Raw Deal in September. But we've already had Raw Deal from Studio Canal. Why am I, I reading uh, that out? I don't know. I don't <laughs> no, know. But I don't I, know why. Because I got the lovely steel book, didn't I? Which I and I have it as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Dimmuk. Okay. Anyway, Studio Studio that... Canal announced raw deal from last year <laughs> in September. Yeah. Kaz announces an old announcement live. Nice. Yes. Done. Okay. Well, I think we have time for streaming and TV shows next. If you'd like to support the AV Forums podcast on a regular basis, then why not become a patron? Head over to patreon.com forward slash AV Forums to sign up. You can also make a one-off donation through the Super Chat or via streamlabs.com forward slash AV Forums. All donations help us to improve the website and the podcasts. Thank you to all our supporters. Well, for streaming TV show news, we're going to look at last year's release of Foundation Season 1 and The Bear Season 1, aren't we, Mark? Because that's what we're clearly covering from now. You've seen Foundation Season 2. Tell uh, us. I, I have, yes. So uh, it's fans of Foundation Season 1 will be very pleased to know it seems to be Season 2 is very much more of the same. It is unfeasibly lavish. Uh, production design oh a, a feast for the eyes in terms of the design of this world this galaxy this universe and an almost bafflingly impenetrable set of stories and narratives that season one if you know didn't quite do the best job of knitting together uh season two has started it started last friday they're apple are dropping them one episode at a time uh what's different this year well, interestingly enough, there's a name in the credits, Jane Espenson, who for genre fans will know she was big with Buffy and big with Battlestar Galactica. And if she is now on board in the writer's room, this gives us every hope that they can just sort out some of that and those narrative problems they had last year. It's a good start to the year. All the characters, I'm not even going to go into the names because it just sounds like yeah, I'm don't, it's don't. word soup if I start to say it. But uh, Lee Pace continues to be the absolute outstanding MVP of this. He is on raucously good form. And in this first episode, raucously naked form for most of it. Uh, <laughs> he survives an assassination attempt. There is a massively uh, complex action choreography and he's nude for all of it. So nakedly Pace fans have at it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, You're watching it, it, Eastern Promises then. <laughs> it, it, it's... <laughs> Obviously, it's the first episode. There are hints of new characters. Ella A. Smith is a new queen who is uh, promised to Lee Pace. Uh, that's interesting. Holt McCallany shows up as the new warden of Terminus for a blink and you'll miss it. He's obviously going to play more of a role coming up. 
Uh, but interestingly enough, Jared Harris is back as uh, Harry Seldon. And he was probably one of the more frustrating characters in season one. Every, the entire universe was allegedly supposed to have spin around him, yet he was in it a frustratingly small amount. When you saw him, it was a bit of a smug performance. Already in just this one episode, he seems to be coming more to the fore, and there's some very interesting hints at the role he is going to play, a much more antagonistic role this season. So, uh, yeah, if you liked Foundation Season 1, it's it's very much more of the same. So, uh, uh, yeah, enjoy. I did. I will not watch this until it's done. I just can't do it. But for some reason... I, I, I was really looking forward to Foundation, but I... It didn't really do it for me. You, you can blame that that there, uh, Tom. It's, there's something about the notion that it's, the story is being stretched out over, whatever, four or five seasons. I just... No, no it's... No. Uh, apparently, I haven't read the books. There's three, there's three books, I believe. I haven't read them. And there are some major changes that's been made to get the books into a TV show narrative. Uh, but it doesn't feel like it. the world is is massive. It's bigger than almost anything else we've got, you know, in media at this moment in time. It's bigger than Dune. It's bigger than Trek. It's bigger than anything. There's so much going on, and arguably, you'd argue that one of the things the show did not so great last year was try and shove so much yeah, in. It wasn't very engaging. Uh, it was its problem. It tried to do too much all at once. And it needed to follow maybe a couple of strands and then build it and build it and build it. But it was yeah, crammed in the ground. What the fuck to, is to, to, yeah. Totally, totally get that. And I think if, if you stuck with it, it started to bring all those strands together towards the end of last season. Too, and I'm, too late, though. Well, I can see that. I, I, I can see that. But I, I yeah, it's it, it's it. I mean, having seen some of the stuff that I've watched, I have no desire to go back to that. And we're going to talk about one of the shows in a minute, but. <laughs> I I will I will try it just maybe not quite yet. Nah, sensible. It's it's you know I mean I I found found the expanse was a great show to get into, but I didn't get into that when season one came out. So I had season one to watch, and then I could go nice. straight into two. Mm. Um, I feel like I might build this up a little bit. I'm going to really quickly talk about uh, the bear. Season two is out couple of days um absolutely loved it i think size seen this and I mark, saw the first season yeah that was extraordinary yeah. Yeah. and mark hated it you watched like one episode i got bored after one episode yes yeah. you did yes classic <laughs> so um if you did like the bear if you did like the bear the season two is cracking and it's not the same uh, I will say that they've done a fantastic job. You, you won't really notice it while watching it. You might even go, why is it not the same? Why is it not still hyper frantic and all set around a bustling kitchen and everything's going wrong? Why is it not the same? But they've, with season two, they've engineered something that gives space to each of the characters to grow in their own ways and then kind of finds a way to bring it back all together. I, I think it's a fabulously constructed second season. And, and if you get to the, you know, there's, there's a mid-season flashback episode, which is tremendous, and then the finale is just, you know, barnstorming. I mean, it's worth sticking around with season two to see 
why it was worth sticking out on season two. <laughs> I think the Bears, fabulous viewing and superb characters, superb characterizations, and um, really unusual subject for them to get this much mileage out of. But that I'm pleasantly surprised by where they go in season I two. Read, I read something that said there's, there has been only four items of media on Rotten Tomatoes that has 100% critics and 100% audience approval. Only four types of media, and the bear is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Well, I Mark, like it. Mark, yeah, like Mark it. didn't vote. Nah. <laughs> like... The others were probably the likes of Succession, which I turned off after one episode, <laughs> Severance, which I turned off after one episode. I mean, Do you know what? Just TV. Just other pe- TV's for other people. Uh, we've got a show for you, mate. Yeah, so Simon recommended this. Tell, tell me about this. Yeah, tell tell us, Simon. I, I reviewed it, but you recommend it, and you're the reason why a review exists. <laughs> yeah, um, I just put on um, on our uh, our offline chat, might be my new love. That was all I said. Yeah. Uh, it might have been an expletive before that. Um, yeah. Everyone ignored you. That's what it was. Everyone, everyone <laughs> yeah. ignored you. We, it, it was like he just wrote, "Bloodhounds might be my new love." And my new binge watch or something in this. And well, I'd only seen one episode at that point. Yeah. And it was such a hook. Just absolutely brilliant. It's, it's a Korean um, Korean show about uh, t- um, two ex-Marines who are, they're young, uh, they're boxers, they meet in a boxing ring, they become mates, and they're both having financial issues. It's set during the 2020-2021 um, pandemic in Korea. Um, it's about uh, loan sharks and how they get involved with a reformed loan shark and how they try and help people. Um, and it's, again, a beautifully constructed uh, show. These You can get behind these characters 100% because they, they, they're just so human and just so ordinary, but they're just so magnetic as well. They're just brilliant to watch. And when they do have to bring out the fists, bring out the big guns, boy, oh boy, do they really go for it. And it's <laughs> absolutely spectacular. The, yes. There's very clear good and bad, not very much grey in the middle. And for this type of series, it works superbly. And there's a mm. terrific crescendo. You get to mid or two-thirds of the season. Episode, I don't want to say the episode. And you, I think you said it in your review, but yeah, you get to a certain episode and you're thinking, this is going to be great. And you have the rug pulled out of you and you just go, oh, my God, why am I watching this? It's absolutely awful. Yeah. You have, you absolutely rips you apart. Yeah. And then it comes right back again and it's outstanding and outstanding show i'm Blimey. so so pleased um and i i, I can't remember i think it was somewhere on the forum somebody mentioned old oh, blood it might have been um um andy's um a couple of months ago he does these roundups of the reviews coming on the, sh- the shows that are coming onto netflix on the, mm. the various medias and uh he said on there bloodhounds and somebody wrote old oh, bloodhounds that's fun to watch and i thought i'll give that a go I like a bit of the Korean stuff, you know, they 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 generally make good shows. And my goodness me, that just from the first episode, that close <laughs> the end, the yes. climax, it's just unbelievable. You think this guy, yeah. he's fantastic, he's gonna be able to do it. And he, and well, I won't say, but my goodness me. And I'll tell you what else was quite amazing. The beginning of episode, let me say, one of one of the ones towards the end, when these two guys they're getting themselves fit. I thought it was incredible 
when they, they took off their top and they're all oiled up, I thought, their physique, that looks just like me. How did they do that? It was incredible. <laughs> it looks absolutely just like that. that is a, it was a mirror image, a mirror image of me. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Nice. That's, that's not selling it. <laughs> it's a nope. it's a great it's a tremendous like, show. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, show. the action in it is a bit like um, a bit, it, remind, it reminded me of Old Boy when he's been training, watching these boxing videos because it's quite unusual to see boxing used as a primary fighting style yeah. in a street fight. So when old boy is like walking his corridor against people with hammers and mm -hmm. and fists and knives and punching them, it, that's what you get in bloodhounds. And it's got a it's got a very nice old boy vibe to that mm. to the fight scenes. Mm. They're very well choreographed, and there is a lot of pain that goes into these. Yeah, things. Uh, but and it seems it. realistic as well, doesn't it? Even it does. though it's completely yeah. ridiculous, it, there is an element of realism to it that you it think never, you believe that these two guys can take on another thirty and kind of get out of it. It never feels like they're lining up. That's no. why it works. It feels yeah. like people get in blows on the side and keep coming at them. It never feels like there's just a a lineup of people to punch your way through. So, do you know what? I'm going to feel really bad being bored shitless by this after one episode, <laughs> aren't I? No, I'll tell you what, you I'll just watch... lie. I'll lie, say. I tell I'll you what, you should, watch, you should watch. <laughs> you should watch one episode, Mark, because at the end of episode one, you're introduced to a character who I'm, I'm only going to say reminds me of Bolo. From oh! All of the old bandana oh, yeah, films. Yeah. Nice. He's proper Bolo. He comes out and you see him and he'll like he'll be he'll be like this. I mean he can't, can't like this, <laughs> you know, in his in his jacket. And and, and he, it's always you look up at the character. I mean, yes. All right, all right. Watch, I'll watch, watch it. it for that. I'll watch okay? it for that. One yes. episode, Mark. One episode, yes. and then you can go to sleep. Yes. Well, just just very quickly, then I'll tell you what, then I will do that, Simon. Mm -hmm. We watched all of Penny Dreadful, all three seasons oh, yeah. in about 10 days. And you know Good what? Stuff. You should finish it. Mm. It's worth it. Okay. okay. Sorry. I will. Oh, no. I'm going to have to start Penny Dreadful now. <laughs> yeah. On Now TV, everyone watch Penny Dreadful. Oh, John Logan's God. take on Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, all mm. that. Very, very good yeah, stuff. Yeah. The first season ah. was great. So, yeah. yeah. Check it okay. out. Okay. Uh, there you go. I'm not well, doing done. it. I'm not doing it. Definitely yeah okay i might do it, I might <laughs> do it. right coming soon i am off to see uh, i mean train strikes notwithstanding i'm off to see oppenheimer at imax uh tomorrow uh mark's going hot pink for barbie and at home i'll be checking out amazon prime videos upcoming release of jared butler's latest kandahar uh mark's got some weird science still to do on 4k i mean what have you been doing all this time why haven't you been as if you've had like 72 hours of bruce lee to watch i uh, got uh crimes of the future yes and Excited also arrows blood and black lace yeah it didn't, so didn't seem like your thing that. at all yeah no <laughs> Simon's finally got it follows on 4K. Yes. Uh, Cross of Iron as well. Cross of Iron and I think Time Bandits is right here ready to, to send to you. So okay. and uh, Mark and I are vying to see who's gonna get their Jaws 2 4K steelbook from Italy first. <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh... neither have been dispatched, but you know, that's out today. Who knows? Um, 
I'm also eagerly awaiting the US release of To Live and Die in LA nice. 4K, which I think is tomorrow or Wednesday. I mean, it's like this week in a couple of days. So get it to me. Uh, and I'll be covering Dungeons and Dragons um, on 4K and Super Mario Brothers in 4K too. Hooray. On TV, we'll be finishing off Secret Invasion, which I, I haven't watched anything other than the first episode, so I'm going to bosh them all because I know it's going to get good, and yeah. I'm just waiting for the episode you tell me it's got good so I can start watching them. <laughs> Not there yet, um, mate. I'm going to finish Witcher so I can watch part two of the season of Witcher, and I'm going to finish Hijack, which I'm quite enjoying. Um, plus, I'm really looking forward to the return of Rayland in Justified. Um, Timothy Oliphant. Absolutely I've only classic. seen up to season five of that. There's um, still a few to go before I... Before finish I it off. I think they're all on Sky, aren't they? Yeah, finish it they're, off. Well, they're all over the place. They're on Prime. They're on um, Disney as well, I think. Oh, wow. I well, have oh, they, never. They would... Oh, no. Don't. Don't do this. No, I just have never. I've never even bothered. But it yeah. sounds like I'd be really bored after an episode of that. <laughs> Okay, so you have to watch an episode of Bloodlines and an episode of Justified by the time we next do a podcast. <laughs> like like return of, the return doesn't of... quite have the hook that Bloodhounds does. Oh, I don't know. It's got a lot of shooting in it. Yeah. Mark doesn't mind a lot of shooting. It's got a pew, lot pew, of pew, very, pew, very, pew. very good lines in it. Anyway, uh, City Primeval is coming to the States this week and coming to Disney Plus in like September because we're so lucky. <laughs> Um, Tom's also going to be celebrating Ahsoka, which is coming soon. He's very excited. He's so excited that he couldn't come here because he was worried he was going to explode. He's saving um, all his eyeball juice just for Ahsoka. That's it. He's not I watching do. anything else like yes. that. Yeah. He's just sleeping until it happens. Yeah. Um, do let us know if there's anything we've not covered that you think we should check out. That's it for the AV Forums podcast this week. My thanks to the movies team, Simon Crust. Thanks, guys. Hopefully and... we'll have an unboxing next time. <laughs> and Mark Costello. Nighty-night, y'alls. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like and subscribe to the channel, plus hit the notification bell so you don't miss out when we publish our live streams, product reviews, and more. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and bookmark avforums.com for the latest reviews, news, and videos. Plus, why not leave us a five-star rating on whichever service you use, if they allow it, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Cas Harlow. Thank you for watching and listening and joining us for another podcast soon.